Hello, friends, and thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the PMDG podcast, and my name is Adriana. Just wanted to quickly say thank you again and again for tuning in today and for sharing these podcasts with family, friends, and other people that have been diagnosed with PMDD. It really, really makes a difference. So thank you. And let's get straight into today's episode. But first, a disclaimer. I am not a medical health expert. I am warning listeners that there may be sensitive topics surrounding mental health and health procedures. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. In this next episode, I have the lovely Melissa Sue with me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> Yay. No, it's um, perfect timing. It's perfect timing. <laughs> it, is. it is. So um, a few standard questions at the start. Where are you in the world right now? So I am in Marietta, Georgia, which is a little suburb just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And um, the only thing that is kind of unique about this space is we have the Braves Stadium here, which in the United States, the Braves is a baseball team. They just won the World Series. So it's kind of a big deal. We're just like a mile and a half from the, the Braves Stadium. So it's a cool place to live. Oh, wow. The vibe would be so, so awesome at the moment, right? Oh, yeah. People are happy. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet. Um, and next question, where in your cycle are you right now? So I am on day five. Oh, so we're coming right into our, into our spring, I should say, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I am like, um, I've got my lightest pair of, um, like I use the thinks panties. So I've got my lightest pair on, I'm like nearly, nearly done, but you know, that like, just not to be super, super TMI, but like that last trickle, <laughs> like it's just not quite there, but energetically, I feel really awesome. Um, I'm, I'm starting to feel all of the amazing follicular energy. So feeling like my mind is more focused. Like I have more dew. I got a little more dew juice in the tank. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling really, really good. This is, I think for most people with PMDD, probably like the best part of the cycle. <laughs> It totally is. It totally is. Um, and I'm coming into my into my period. I'm like four days out. So we're <laughs> we're, so we're like right on the opposite. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for being here with me. <laughs> oh no, it's totally fine. It, this is this is part of it, though, right? Because we want to be able to share, and and I think we need to share this information as well. It's really important because everyone listening will understand exactly where I am right now, yep. <laughs> and exactly where you are. So, and also. So we were just chatting before that the full moon is about to come. So it's all it's all happening out energetically um, out there for us. So um, I really wanted to, um, to have you come on because uh, where we are in the podcast at the moment is that I really wanted to bring on professionals that could speak specifically on um, certain subjects, especially that obviously that have... Um, that have a real positivity around uh, management for PMDD. And you are, I, you know, after chatting to you a couple of weeks ago, you know, it, you don't, it's not until you speak to someone that you're like, whoa, she really knows her stuff. Um, so, and I love, you know, you've really done the work in the yoga world um, with PMDD. But first, I, I mean, I, I'd love to just touch upon uh you know, your journey with PMDD first? Sure. Yeah, totally. So um, I'll start by saying that I'm 33 years old. So I have been on my like PMDD journey approximately 10 years now, which it feels like I, I should have kind of known sooner, but I was on birth control for a really long time. So I was one of those um, girls I was put on birth control almost as soon as I started my cycle. Um, and I was on birth control all the way through college and just kind of right into my um, early 20s is when I stopped. And so um, that was when I started experiencing PMDD symptoms. And I was working in an environment that was really challenging. I was working in a domestic violence um, and sexual assault center. So I think a lot of my career was contributing to that. 
Um, but I was having really like unmanageable cycles and I didn't connect it to my cycle, honestly, for probably two years. <laughs> and it was, um, actually my partner at the time and a friend of mine that was like, mm, this is pretty cyclical. Like, have you noticed there's a pattern? And, um, once they said that I was kind of like, Hey, you know what, maybe there is something to this. And so another friend of mine had recommended that I start tracking my cycle and I started to do that. And then very shortly after that, one of my closest friends, who is still one of my best friends to this day, she told me that she had been diagnosed with premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And so she was telling me about her diagnosis and I'm like looking at, you know, my pretty recent tracking data. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I, this, I think describes exactly what I'm going through too. And so at the time that I was first kind of figuring this out, I had left like my real job in air quotes, mm -hmm. and I was starting to teach yoga full-time. And so I didn't have health insurance. I really didn't have any sort of financial stability. And I really just had to kind of figure out like, okay, so I, I think it's this thing. I think it's this disorder. And what I have is the yoga practice. Like that's what I'm doing. That's what I believe can like save the world, save me. And at the time, I mean, I was way more concerned with saving the world. Like I really wanted to make yoga this thing that was accessible for everyone. So I was working on a master's degree for a nonprofit yoga studio because I wanted to like, you know, just give everybody yoga. I wanted it to be available to everybody. And so I learned how to teach yoga for back pain and for mental health and for, you know, everything. I, I studied therapeutic yoga to try to take care of other people. And kind of not knowing, I was like building up these practices of how to use yoga to take care of myself, because as I kind of tried to take care of everyone else, I had to lean so heavily on the practice. So that was great. I was able to kind of manage it for a good chunk of time. And then I started working in a regular job again. I had some life circumstances forced me to move to a different state and take a real job again, air quotes. <laughs> um, and I quickly learned that I couldn't manage my PMDD anymore. When my yoga practice was taken away and my time management, just kind of being able to rest when I needed to rest and live cyclically, when that was dismantled by, uh, you know, the nine to five work culture, um, I reverted right back to the same issues I was dealing with before and much worse. Mm. So um, I worked for a while, got to a place where I was more financially stable. And um, my partner and I decided that it was in my best interest health-wise to go back to teaching yoga, that that was really where my passion was. And so that happened right at the start of the pandemic. I literally like on my own, left my job at the end of February. And then in the US, everything shut down at the very beginning of March. Um, and so that's when I decided that I wanted to teach other people like me who have PMDD and use the tools and practices that I've been accumulating over like this last decade of understanding this with and without health insurance, with and without, you know, a true diagnosis. Um, and, you know, make it a part of my life kind of all the way, not shy away from the fact that I have it and, um, you know, kind of break the silence and shame around having a mental health and mood disorder. Mm. It's, it's such a, um, a, a common theme that I'm having with guests coming on of late, you know, that are making that transition from um, realizing that the nine to five just really doesn't serve someone yeah. with, um, with PMDD. And now that you've sort of made that trans transition back, I'd love to hear, I mean, how, I mean, just quickly, I know we don't, we want to go into the, the yoga the side of it, but I mean, this will probably have a lot to do with it actually, but how do you honor yourself during that time leading up to, um, to getting your period? So honestly, I, I kind of, I try to live my life in, in the monthly cycle. So rather than like, I have the same daily schedule or I have the same weekly schedule, I try to think of it as a month at a time. And so I know that seems kind of daunting when you first think of it, but basically I try to do my things like my big things, um, 
right now. Like, you know, we're doing this podcast right now, which is perfect timing for me because I feel really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll do more of my things that require me to socialize typically during the first two weeks of my cycle. Um, I tend to not have a very painful period. Like my, my actual menses is pretty good. It's pretty regular. And so, um, I can even usually do more then, like, I don't have to, um, maybe even rest as much during that time. And so in that way, I'm fortunate. And I try to make it so that my time to honor myself is drastically increased during the luteal phase of my cycle. Um, and so because I work for myself, I am able to sleep in later on certain days. I'm able to nap. Um, I'm able to just use my time differently. So I find that I'll have a really hard time, like especially now during the winter or, you know, it's cold. Um, not, not where you are, where I am. <laughs> <laughs> but so I'll, I'll have a little bit harder time, like getting started in the morning. Mm-hmm. So chances are, I'm not really going to be my best self before 10 AM. So I plan for that. And I, I give, I honor myself that I don't have to perform at a certain level during this time. And I can really truthfully rest and I can rest without shame. Um, I can rest without embarrassment that that is part of my work. Um, and I will say it's taken me a long time to get here. It's It's been work um, kind of uncovering these layers of myself to accept that I just don't work the same way society does. Um, and the the more I've honored that, the better I've felt, like the better I have worked. <laughs> so um, I don't know if that's specific enough, but. No, that's, and I think it's really important that you touched upon um, accepting that we have, you know, that we've had this diagnosis. It's, it's like, I just got goosebumps. It's, it's like, it's the number one thing that we're at right at the start. Just accept that this is the way it is. And this is how, this is, you know, just the, I, I'm going to say it's, it's the gift <laughs> that we've been yeah. given and we have to accept it because the more we fight against it, it's just, it's, it's, well, actually it will make the, like for me, it would, it would have made the symptoms worse, et cetera. Just having that acceptance and the no shame around it either. It's okay. And there's so many of us out there um, experiencing very similar things, but one, I think, yeah, once I accepted the fact that I've got it and released the shame around it, everything really changed. Everything yeah. really changed. It does. And I I think, you know, so for me, I see that as part of the yoga practice, that acceptance and also those boundaries that we have to build, um, you know, that ability to say no and say, you know, my sleep is more valuable than, um, you know, the external factors that I might get, like the, the pleasure of being in someone else's company or, you know, spending money or looking really good for Instagram or whatever it may be there. There are times where like, I, I miss out. Like I, I don't do the thing or I, you know, can't do the thing. And, um, that boundary around myself to be able to say no, to honor my physical self that like my body's just, it's not capable. It's more tired or, you know, I'm just achy and it's not going to make me feel better to push myself. Um, but also honoring that like emotional of like, it is not my job to take care of everybody else. My body tells me very, very loudly <laughs> that I have to take care of me right now and my mind as well. Um, you know, it, it, I get messages that it's time to slow down. It's time to focus inward and, and make myself my number one priority. And that is so hard. I mean, that's hard for anybody. It's definitely hard for PMDD people. Mm, mm, absolutely. Um, I would love to now dive into to you know yoga, and I think it's I think it would be really important that we. It, I'd love for you to explain to us what yoga is because I remember practicing quite solidly for years and years. Um, Oh, over a decade ago. And I remember talking to people about my yoga practice and they'd always be like, oh, I, I, I'd invite them. I'd be like, come to yoga, come to yoga. And I'm like, oh, I'm not flexible. And I, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, 
No, I'm not, you know, not into that. And I think it's because a lot of people don't quite understand what yoga is. It's not all about the postures and the asanas and everything. It's so, you know, the it, it's so much more than the physical aspect. So I'd love for you to sort of break it down for us first. Um, and I'm sure you're going to really enjoy explaining it to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so yoga often does get thought of as just like purely this physical thing. And so, you know, when I kind of first arrived on the scene with yoga for PMDD, I, I definitely ruffled some people's feathers because they were like, um, okay, yeah, if yoga could fix my PMDD or make my PMDD go away, like, obviously, I'm doing some yoga, like it, I would have already had that result. Um, and you know, for some people, I'm sure that it's helped a lot, but yoga itself is a lot more complicated than just going to like a vinyasa style class or a hot yoga class and just like doing poses. Poses are wonderful, but there is a whole other side to the practice. There's so much more than just that one piece. And so, um, I practice therapeutic yoga as a yoga therapist. And, um, what that means is that we look at the person as an entire being. We're not just looking at their physical body. We're also going to, um, you know, look at the energetic body, the emotional body, the wisdom body. We're also going to think of the person as a, a whole person, not just like what they can do in their yoga practice, but how it fits into their lifestyle. Like what is actually realistically manageable for you. Um, and so in yoga therapy, we create personalized practices either for small groups, like a, a group of people with PMDD or one-on-one, -on -one, like an individual who has a very specific issue that they want to work on. And PMDD is specific enough. Usually once you talk into it a little bit, you'll find out that there's kind of like one or two things that are like really, you know, the worst things, the things that we would really like to get rid of. Um, and so when you're thinking about therapeutic yoga, most of the time, we're really not even doing poses. Uh, funny enough, I mean, we do some, but it's a lot more of um, breathing techniques. It's a lot more relaxation techniques, stress management techniques. Like I said, I um, think of boundary setting as a, an aspect of the yoga practice. In fact, I taught a whole like course that is all around boundary setting for the different layers of our being. So boundaries for our physical body, our emotional body, our energetic body. And so there are so many things beyond just the meat and potatoes of our, of our body that PMDD affects. We know that it affects us emotionally. We know that it affects us on a spiritual level mm -hmm. and therapeutic yoga allows us to address that. It allows us to go so much deeper with our level of acceptance and our level of understanding our own being. So it's not saying like I'm fixed. It's really just saying like, I can accept myself as I am. Um, and I think that that's, you know, what a lot of people are, are still kind of stuck in. They, they are kind of stuck in like, I, I want my doctor to give me something. I, you know, I want the right pill or, you know, maybe it's the right diet or, or whatever it may be. And it's all of that. And I think the, the yoga piece is sort of that um, little bit it's missing, you know, that, that connection and acceptance of just my awareness of myself as I am, it, it's enough. I don't have to fix myself because I'm not broken. I I'm just a being and I'm working through what that means. Mm, mm. It's, it's yeah. Exactly. What you said at the end was just so important when we are not broken. <laughs> We're not broken at all. Um, and, yes, I, I believe that yoga has such a significant part. Um, tell me, why is why is the breathing so important? Well, so, I mean, on a very, very basic level, the very first thing we do once we enter the world, whether it's through a C-section or through the, uh, the vaginal, the vagina, however we enter the world, the first thing we do is take a breath. And the very last thing we do that indicates our life is no longer is we exhale. Mm -hmm. And so the breath bookends our entire life. It, it's, it's literally like the thread. It's the thing that controls every aspect of our being. And in and of itself is technically enough. We can survive a decent amount of time without food, not super long without water, but you can survive barely any time at all without your breath. Your breath is required for your functioning. 
And so with you know, this kind of grand idea of what the breath can do on a very practical level, the breath helps us to regulate our nervous system. We breathe automatically. And so if we're not paying attention, our nervous system will breathe for us. But if we start to pay attention, we can consciously override the breath that the body may be telling us to breathe and kind of rein it in a little bit and tell the the body what to do through the breath. And so the breath can be cooling, it can be heating. What it can do though, is help us to find whatever is sort of uh, out of um, balance and come back to a place of balance. And so specifically it can, you know, regulate our vagus nervous system or our our vagal nerve. It's um, regulating our nervous system, but just kind of generally it, it's a way for us to have a little bit of control over whatever experience we're having. Mm. It's, um, I remember doing, I can't remember when it was, but I remember being told that I'm not breathing right. And I was so shocked. Like, I was like, what do you mean? How, how does someone not breathe right? You know? And I just, it really, Mm -hmm. it really shocked me. It was, um, and I, and then they told me, you know, they told me about the diaphragmic breathing, the breathing through the belly. How is it like, how do we suddenly stop breathing right? Like what's going on there? Well, I mean, it's because we're not taught how to breathe. And I know that sounds really silly because we're like, well, everyone knows how to do it, but we don't. I mean, I was taught by my teacher, this is how you breathe. These are some of the muscles that you use when you breathe. Someone did teach me how to breathe so that I could teach other people. Mm. And really what happens is that when we are constantly in a fight, flight, or freeze response, when our nervous system is being dissipated, we, we tend to stop breathing in a way that allows us to fully expand through the diaphragm to be in a nice relaxed state. And so what we end up doing is we breathe with our chest and we end up breathing with the little muscles of our neck. We kind of breathe with our sternocleidomastoid, pulling our collarbones up towards our shoulder when we feel panicked. And you can feel when you've been breathing like that, because it creates a lot of tension in your upper back and neck. And so your body is kind of sending you these messages telling you this, but if you don't know what the opposite is or the other way to do it correctly, then you're going to continue to do that. And so, you know, most people are not in a regulated state. Most of the time we have so much external stimulation that is constantly pulling our attention outward, that it's really hard to be regulated. It's, it's hard to have a regulated nervous system when your phone is pinging you and you've got deadlines and your kids need something or your spouse needs something. I mean, there's so many things that we are kind of drawn out of ourselves from. Um, and so I, I, I love that question because, uh, well, A, I've never asked that, but um, <laughs> one of the, my favorite teachers, Donna Ferry, who is just a, a remarkable yoga teacher, I'm sure most older folks have heard of her. She's an incredible teacher, but she says that breathing with our chest is like trying to dig a hole with a fork. It is, it's so inefficient. And so if just in a, a a time of panic or feeling overwhelmed or overstimulated, if you could remember to breathe with your belly and practice that diaphragmatic breathing, you can literally take your body from a fight, flight, or freeze response to a rest and digest response. You can actually change how you feel. And it's, you know, it's not immediate. It takes practice, but that power, that power of pranayama or life energy control, as we call it in the yoga practice, it really can control your life's energy. Mm. Um, so virtually every practice I teach in yoga for PMDD is a breathing practice or has breathing aspects. There's just no way around it. The breath is huge. Mm, mm. I have to admit the whole time we've been speaking now, I've been, <laughs> I've been really conscious. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm really making sure that I'm breathing. <laughs> I love that. I mean, oh, it's so... Yeah, it's so good. It's so useful. And I mean, and you can do it at any time. So you could just be like sitting in your car in traffic and be like, Oh, I could do my belly breathing and it's, you know, refocus your mind, come back to your body. Mm. I mean, it's easy and practical. 
as just a life thing. Mm. Isn't it funny though that we have to rem- we have to remind ourselves how to breathe and yep. <laughs> how to breathe and to breathe properly. It's just crazy. It really is. Um, you also um, spoke about boundaries and that you sort of created a specific course about that. Now, I don't want you to go into too, too like you don't need to go into too much detail, but I don't think I've spoken too much. Um, on previous episodes about boundaries and why they're so important, especially for people with PMDD. So I'd love for you to yeah go into a little bit of that. Totally. Yeah. And so um, kind of back to what I was saying before about living more cyclically, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't have the boundaries that I have. <laughs> to be totally honest, I mean, for me, one of the biggest boundaries is saying, I'm not going to work the way society says I'm supposed to. And so that's, that's a really, really big one. Um, and not necessarily everyone needs to make that same exact boundary. Um, but in this course, I talk about how boundaries are a form of, of self-care and self-love and that boundaries aren't necessarily serving to remove anybody from your life. They're not trying to eliminate and make you smaller In fact, what boundaries do is they allow you to be more expansive because they show you how much room you have to move and be free in. And so um, thinking about boundaries along the different layers of our being that I've mentioned, we can think about how we have to have certain physical boundaries when it comes to managing PMDD. For example, if you have a um, PMDD symptom that means you kind of chronically have sound sensitivity, you may have to have a a physical boundary that during that time you work away from others or, you know, you're you're wearing noise canceling headphones that you have like a physical boundary that protects you to reduce the sensitivity. Or that may mean that you have a physical boundary of not allowing certain energies in your home during that time, Um, not wanting to, you know, if you have a really poor relationship with a member of your family, don't have them over during luteal, keep that physical boundary. Mm. And so um, it kind of goes into all of those different practical applications, but also shows through the yoga practice, how boundaries can create more space. Um, One of my all-time favorite teachers, um, a man named Matthew Sanford, who is, um, he leads mind body solutions and Matthew is paralyzed from essentially the nipples down. And so he has been teaching yoga throughout his entire paralysis. Um, he was paralyzed as a young man and he is the first person that really got me thinking about how boundaries make more space that they are, truthfully, um, one of the ways in which we can lovingly hold ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really like to think of boundaries as, um, like gentle shields mm-hmm. and, you know, they're, they're not meant to harm shields aren't, you know, we, de- we don't always use shields as a weapon. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a barrier to protect us and keep what does not serve us at bay. Mm, that's so interesting. I'm so glad that you that you went into that because I think that that's so, so important, especially, I mean, for anybody really, but especially someone um, with PMDD and just knowing how to navigate the luteal phase, um, mm-hmm. like boundaries, especially in that time need to be need to be put in and I and I like how you said that they're, they're not you know we're not trying to shut anyone out. It's just like yeah, a gentle shield. I, I like how you've put that. Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so tell me maybe about some, I mean, you've been practicing yoga for quite some time and you've obviously got quite a few clients as well. Tell me some examples of how yoga has really, you know, like maybe some, yeah, has really helped your clients um, through, you know, navigating their PMDD. Yeah, totally. So um, in the Yoga for PMDD community, we um, create like our small group classes. They are almost all for addressing specific PMDD symptoms. And so there are lots of things that we can use the yoga practice for, especially in a therapeutic sense. Um, 
to alleviate or mitigate, you know, just kind of manage. Um, and so our uh, most recent class was about migraine management. And it was just really simple breathing exercises, very, very gentle movement for helping to release and reduce the stress that may be causing a migraine in the back of the head. And so um, I try, you know, to keep the practices kind of short, you know, with the idea being that people, um, you know, you're not necessarily looking to go do an hour long class in a yoga studio. Like this is a different thing, right? Like this is meant to be functional and applicable. Um, and so we also recently did a class that was all about rage and, you know, that, that rage monster comes out and, you know, sometimes it just needs to kind of, you need to go with it. Like you need to rage against the rage. And so this was a class that was about like healthy ways to kind of release that inner demon, to let that heat out. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of like what the generalized community feels like. Um, when it comes to working one-on-one -on -one with folks, we tend to go into specific issues that they want to deal with. And so that may be something that is physical, depending on, you know, what stage of life they are in. Um, you know, some folks are working through perimenopause as well as PMDD. Some people are opting for surgical menopause. And so they're prepping for surgical menopause. And the idea is to just kind of get their body physically well for that. Um, so it really kind of depends on what that individual needs, which is the beauty of therapeutic yoga, because it is so individualized. It, you know, we do a, a full body assessment. And so I don't, I don't mean assessment in the way of like, this is a test you must pass. <laughs> I mean, assessment and just kind of like, this is where you are. And so we do that, um, not just for the body, but also for the mind. We do a general wellness survey to kind of talk about what's going on emotionally, what's going on energetically, and to kind of understand where there may be some patterns of behavior where it's, you know, a lot of people have tried other things and they kind of don't get over that hump. Like they don't really ever get into the practice sort of. So we look at what some of those patterns may be that are affecting the wisdom body. And so um, we kind of completely individualize it for what they need. And that may be you know, just making the time for themselves 10 minutes a day, like that may be someone's practice of just, no, you're going to try to make 10 minutes every day for you. Um, and sometimes it, you know, it's a combination of stuff. So poses, breathing practices. Um, and for everybody that I work with, I do, I have, um, actually have two yoga studios. So I have yoga for PMDD, which is my very specific thing. And then I have Masuva yoga, which was my prior yoga studio, um, that I, I had as like a brick and mortar. And then when I went online, some people did join me online. And so that has a huge library of classes that I share with my students to kind of supplement like, okay, this is your individualized practice that we've created together. And then here are a bunch of things that I think will, you know, help to keep you going on this path will be supplementary to what you are working on. Mm, wow. I'm going to have to check out these resources. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Please do. <laughs> and I think I, I think it's really important that you mentioned that we don't have to go, we don't have to do yoga for a whole hour, you know, yeah. and that yoga can really help with specific, um, you know, challenges that we're having. And we only need to do it for five, 10 minutes. And sometimes it's not actually even moving. It is just doing the breath work. Right, right. Yeah. So I'll tell you honestly. I practice yoga every single day and I do almost zero of it on my mat. <laughs> almost a hundred percent of my yoga practice happens in my bathroom for some reason, because I have, I have a good counter in there, but a, a lot of my yoga just has to do with like lengthening my spine or lying on the floor and putting my legs up the wall and breathing. You know, it's, it, it's little moments in time do it. And it's little things that help me get readjusted for whatever it is that may be going on around me. It's never like, at least for me, and I, I'm really, really proud of anyone that it is like this for, but for me, it's never like, oh, I've got to go get my workout in. And like my yoga practice is going to be where I go and like do my sweating. And, you know, this is where I'm working on my six pack. That's like, not, I, I treat it in a totally therapeutic sense. So 
I strength train for my exercise. My yoga practice is my spiritual practice. It's my therapy. It's for me where I connect with myself and remember who I am, that, that I'm bigger than my diagnosis, that I'm bigger than the day that I'm having, that I'm bigger than the emotion that I'm having and that the breath is enough. Mm. Yeah. I I've started going down to the beach actually to do now that it's getting warm down here. I go down to the beach, I do my meditation and I've been doing um, a yoga practice whilst the sun is coming up. And I, and it, it, it was, it took me a long time to undo that. Oh, but I've got to, I've got to do, it's got to be for an hour and I've got to do sun salutations and I've got to do X, Y, Z. And when I, and it's such a beautiful thing to come out of the meditation and be like, take a few breaths and be like, all right, well, where do I need to lengthen a little bit? Where do I need to breathe into? And I would, and exactly what you said at the start of the episode, I would ask my body, what do you need right now? Where do you need a little bit more love, et cetera? And I never time it or anything. And and I always feel so much better afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Because part of the point of the practice should be to like remove that social pressure of what you're supposed to be Mm. and to allow you to just be. And so like, it really shouldn't be like a time thing. It shouldn't be something like you have to wear a very specific outfit. Like (laughs) all of my yoga happens in my pajamas and sweats. Like, I mean, I will admit I I wear like more yoga clothes for my videos, but you know, it's something that should just happen organically throughout your life. And if you learn some of the practices that I'm sharing, like you'll start to see that there's some repetition of like, this is a cooling breath. Now you're learning a cooling breath. When you're starting to feel overheated, try this cooling breath. Like this is something that you now have in your toolkit. And whether you're my student for another day or, you know, you practice with me for the rest of your life, like you have this tool that Mm. you can take with you forever. Mm. Would you be able to share maybe one or two things, um, tools maybe for anyone that's listening in, um, probably, you know, for somebody that does it hasn't um, done much yoga or any yoga, um, maybe just share something that they can start implementing um, in their day straight away. Sure. Yeah. So I would say um, first, my like go-to thing for the end of my day is to put my legs up the wall. Mm. And so that doesn't have to, like, you don't have to have your legs at 90 degrees straight up a wall. Like if you can put your legs up a chair, just resting your calves on a chair. Um, You can put a little blanket underneath your bum so that you have just a little lift there. You can put a blanket underneath your head and lift your head a little bit, but get yourself as comfortable as possible, but elevate your feet and take that time before you go to bed to just breathe with yourself slightly inverted. There are so many wonderful benefits to inverting I mean, for our um, endocrine system, for our cardiovascular system, there are just so many wonderful benefits to inverting. But on, you know, just a, a very practical level, take a little bit of time to let your whole day go before you go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no matter what you are in your life, you know, no, no matter who you care for or what the circumstances may be, even if it's only a minute, just Put your legs up and let your whole spine rest on the ground. Let your whole being just be and like get heavy. Let gravity press on you for a moment and imagine as though you could just drain all of the thoughts out of your head for that time. If you can give yourself that little bit of time, it creates so much more peace before going to sleep. And so I think if you sleep better, you'll wake up feeling better. And it just kind of has this snowball effect. It can be this last little love note to close your day to yourself every single day that, you know, this is kind of your, your last prayer to your heart, your last prayer to your, the God of your choosing, that it's the time to just be with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been doing that for a very long time. I, I couldn't even tell you when exactly I started. And I feel like it's, it's my gratitude practice. It's my, I don't know. It's kind of my, like the world doesn't need me right now practice. Mm -hmm. I I can, (laughs) I just need me right now. And, you know, sometimes I do it for a long time and I follow it with some other movements. And sometimes I don't have the patience and I do it for a little bit. And then I roll over and I jump in the bed, but putting your legs up is a, a powerful tool for bringing your body to 
a relaxed state. Oh, I love that. I'm so doing that tonight. <laughs> do it, do it. If, and you know, if you have your legs straight up the wall too, you can put just like a little bit of weight on the bottom of your feet. So even just like, like a, a pillow, you know, maybe a little bit heavier pillow, but if you put some weight on the bottom or, you know, so if your feet are up here and you kind of have the pillow on the tops of your feet, that little bit of weight can make it that much more grounding. If you have your legs on a chair, um, let your calves be like really smushed Mm. um, because our calves are kind of like our second heart, which is so super cool. So um, smush your calves with something too. And that can be just mm, cherry on top. So nice. (laughs) I, I have to ask, what do you mean by calves being the second heart? So the way our cardiovascular system works, um, it's so important that we walk, we're bipedal creatures, because the pumping of our calves helps to return blood back up from our feet. And Mm -hmm. so it doesn't pump on its own, of course, the way the heart does, but you can even kind of see a little bit in its shape that it has a similarity to draw blood back up the leg. It's to, you have to return it. (laughs) That's so interesting. That's so interesting. That makes that makes sense now that you've explained it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and there's so many things like that that like we just we very much take our bodies for granted, just mm. like we don't know how to breathe and we don't know how to have proper posture. And I mean, there's so much that we it's just so mysterious, even though we're with this thing all day. Yeah, right. We forget. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. It's easy to do. Yeah. I mean, look, you're doing so much work in the um yoga for PMDD world, but you're also doing a lot of work um, with IAPMD, which is an amazing website. Um, Well, I mean, it's an organization, obviously, but it has this amazing website that, um, that I, I, yeah, that was the first place I went to. And everyone that I speak to, it's, it's pretty much one of the first resources that you sort of dive into to find out a bit more um, about PMDD. Can you tell me a bit more about your involvement and what you've sort of been doing with them? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, first I'll say that the IAPMD website is also where I first went. And when I initially, well, when I finally got my PMDD diagnosis, which was in December of 2020, after like seven years of knowing that I had it, Mm. um, I, I made like a little reel about it because I had used the worksheets from the IAPMD. I had literally written everything down because I happened to be in luteal during that appointment. And I couldn't even speak once I finally got in there. So I just like slid my resource worksheet to the nurse's assistant. And, you know, I was just kind of like, I have PMDD, but I like, I can't even speak to tell you about my experience. So here it all is. Mm. Um, and so I, I, I benefited greatly from the work that IAPMD is doing before I was even able to get involved. Um, but they put a, a call out for people um, last year asking for volunteers for their patient insight panel. And so what that was is um, basically that you were willing to take a lot of surveys about your PMDD experience and share with a, a basically a panel experience, um, what your PMDD life has been like. And so it was a wide range of people, people from all over the world, um, with all different levels of PMDD experiences. And I I mean, honestly was so honored that I was chosen because I, I felt like a little bit of a newbie. I'm like, I just got a diagnosis. And, um, you know, there were people who had chosen surgical menopause who were, you know, much younger than me, people who were in chemical menopause, um, people who like me were maybe trying to conceive. I mean, it was like all sorts of people, people of, of every walk of life. And so, um, we worked to compile a, a patient led research project. Um, the IAPMD had received a grant um, to do this research. And at the end of it, we presented uh, all of the patient experiences to, um, healthcare practitioners. So basically, you know, obstetricians and gynecologists and, um, uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, I mean, pretty much everyone from the healthcare field was invited to listen to the patients tell their experience with PMDD and to stress the need for 
more research, more understanding, earlier diagnosis. That was a really big one that, you know, so many people felt like we had just lost years of our lives without a diagnosis, without any resources, without, you know, any understanding. Mm. Um, and so it was hugely powerful. Um, and I was even more fortunate to actually be one of the people that was able to present. So I, I was able to go and, you know, read what, what we had brought together. Um, and so that is part of the IAPMD strategic plan um, to continue that work, to continue the effort for you know, continued patient-led research. Um, and the patient insight panel is still doing work. So we, you know, basically serve as um, kind of like a patient advisory board. So things that the IAPMD may be doing, we offer some of our input, whether it may be like a change to the website or, um, you know, even just trying to increase PMDD awareness, doing webinars, and, and really just being vocal about like, Hey, I have PMDD. I'm not ashamed to, to talk about it. And I'm, I'm going to normalize this conversation. So mm-hmm. yeah, the IAPMD is like, if it was possible to like have a crush on <laughs> a nonprofit, I have a crush on the IAPMD because also everybody who runs, like who is on like the staffing and organizational side of IAPMD, they are all PMDD people themselves, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, obvious, but also like amazing, like what they have done to improve PMDD for other people. And mm-hmm. for me, like I said, I got my diagnosis because I had those worksheets. Otherwise I wouldn't have been able to speak. So I would have had to go back another time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's such a great resource. It's, it, it they really are doing um, such great work. And even before doing the podcast or anything, I know I was talking about PMDD. If anyone asked for more information or someone, you know, a friend suspected that they might have, you, I mean, you, you just direct them to that website. Yeah. I think, I think I've still, yeah, I have them in my, in my show notes every single episode. Cause it's like that they're, and they're tracking the, the tracking of cycle is so thorough as well mm-hmm. what they've got there and it's yeah it's 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 not just whether you know you're sad and this it really goes into so much detail and it's so so important it is it's huge and you know just because i mean as a pmdd person like i make sure that they are part of like my monthly giving like the, what the iapmd is doing for me as a pmdd patient and and for others on an international scale too it's it's mm. hugely important work. And so I will volunteer for the IAPMD as long as I can, like legitimately, as long as humanly possible, I will try to stay involved. Um, maybe even someday I'll be a, a board member myself. Like I, I'm staying with them because they're doing big things and I just so appreciative. Mm. Mm, yeah, no, they are. And well, and thank you for being involved with them. You know, it's it's really important to have people like yourself um, be be involved. So thank you. Um, so tell me, how do people get in touch with you? Because it sounds like you've got so um, many great resources and you're, you know, you're helping so many people. So how do people find you? Well, so I am yoga for PMDD on pretty much everything. So on Instagram, on TikTok, um, on Facebook. And if you want to email me, I'm yoga for PMDD at gmail.com. And um, I, I do have to say, like, one of my favorite things about this kind of adventure that I've been on since my diagnosis officially and, and deciding to create the yoga for PMDD community it really is connecting with other PMDD people. So um, I have like a 15 minute meet and greet thing. If anyone ever wanted to just chat with me, I like, I'm totally an open book. So if you have questions or, you know, just wanted to ask more, or, you know, kind of get some details about what the hell I'm talking about, <laughs> like anything, um, I am, I'm definitely here to help. And I want to connect with people. I mean, it, you're in Australia. How else would I ever have spoken to you before? <laughs> Like, and how cool is it that, that we can have this conversation? I mean, I'm just in awe of how, like you said, this gift, it's PMDD is hell, but it is also a gift. Mm, mm, it totally is. It totally is. And I mean, that, that goes to my, my last question that I like to ask anyone that, um, 
that has been diagnosed with PMDD and what has been the positive outcome of your diagnosis? Oh my gosh, honestly, a lot. I I feel like if I, because of my diagnosis, it gave me the understanding that there was not something intrinsically wrong with me, mm. that I was not lying or making anything up, um, that there is an explanation for the ways that I feel. And it snowballed into this acceptance that allowed me to connect with a greater community. And almost certainly my life would have been drastically different if I hadn't pursued yoga for PMDD last year. I wouldn't have near the amount of friends that I have now. I wouldn't have near the amount of uh, people who understand me and accept me for who I really am. Um, I don't think that I would have as amazing of a a PMDD experience as I have now. Uh, Last month, I was almost completely symptom-free. I actually thought I was pregnant because I was like, I feel so good. (laughs) And so um, I, you know, I I feel like I wouldn't have been able to really get to where I am now if, if I hadn't gotten that diagnosis. And I, I don't think everyone needs to have a diagnosis. I think it is enough to self-diagnose with PMDD, but I think for me, it really, really helped to solidify that like, A, I knew what was up, Mm. I knew it, (laughs) and and B, um, you know, that because of that, it gives me permission to live differently, that I don't have to do it the way everyone else is doing it. I can do it with my own best interests in mind. Mm. That's a beautiful positive. That's such a beautiful positive. Thank you so much for sharing. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity to share. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please ensure that you like, subscribe, follow, or whatever it is that you need to do to keep up to date with new episodes on your podcast listening platform. If you would like to get in touch with me, please email me at thepmddpodcast at gmail.com. Please make sure that you follow our new home on Instagram, which is at the underscore pmddpodcast. Thank you so much again. I look forward to chatting with you soon. Much love.